Welcome to Port City Politics. I'm WHQR News Director Ben Schockman. And I'm WECT investigative reporter Michael Pratz. And on today's show, we're going to talk about the New Hanover County Board of Commissioners meeting this week and uh, our least favorite drug. Fentanyl. Okay, let's get started. Um, so earlier this week, uh, New Hanover County Commissioners met, and I think the item that a lot of people were looking at was this ordinance that, yes, technically is about all county-owned property, but it's really just about the downtown library here in Wilmington. Yeah, and uh, if you've been in downtown in the past 18 months or so, you've seen um, that there is a very large uh, and seemingly uh growing population of uh, our unsheltered population, um, those without a home, those without a place to go. Um, it is county property, and a lot of times you you do see this in other cities as well. Not, Wilmington's not unique in this instance, um, but public property is public property. It's exactly what it means, and people uh, who otherwise have nowhere else to go, that's often where they are able to go and sleep um, and basically call that place home. And that's what's been going on. There's been um, multiple instances of assaults. Uh, I believe there was one sexual assault that happened there. Um, We heard from Sheriff Ed McMahon about concerns with uh, drug dealing at the location uh, and just crime in general. Uh, There's also the issues of, uh, and if you've been in the, the stairwell, of some of these parking decks, um, you go in there and it's it truly is very uh, unsanitary conditions. You have people using it as a as a bathroom, essentially. Yeah, I want to break this down a little bit more. Um, Sheriff McMahon did uh, note the assaults, sexual assaults, open air drug dealing. So a couple of things about that. One, um, the majority of the the assaults, as far as we can tell, have been between. Uh, homeless people. Yes. And so on the one hand, I want to say that this is not homeless people, you know, jumping out of the bushes and attacking people who are going to the parking deck of the library. Right. On the other hand, it doesn't mean that it's not important because they're homeless. These are still people who are being assaulted. Yeah, absolutely. And this is for a lot of reasons that we'll get into it a little bit. Um, the place that people are going for, you know, sort of makeshift shelter Mm -hmm. and you know they're human beings and they're being assaulted so that's not good yeah so i just want to you know it's some people had taken that as a scare tactic but i just want to unpack that a little bit as far as the drug dealing goes no you know major drug trafficking is not happening there but i have myself seen people um shooting up heroin i've seen people uh taking pills i've seen people smoking marijuana um the majority of it just seems to be like all day drinking Mm -hmm. um the stairwell yeah you can't it's difficult to overstate. Um, I was actually, I, I park in that deck right. for work, and the other day I saw someone defecating. Literally, I was there, first-hand witness. I saw yeah. someone defecating in the stairwell. So I, when people talk about the conditions have deteriorated, I, I don't think they're being hyperbolic. No, when you drive past, um, you know, if you're driving on 3rd Street, you see it. Um, we're not quite to the, um, you know, a, a tent city, so to speak, um, or some of the, the instances that you see in L.A., Cities like that where there's just, you know, entire city blocks are just um, nothing but tents. You can't even walk through there. It's not to that extent, but it is um, it is uh, an eyesore. There are the um, hygiene issues. There are, you know, these, these crimes taking place, which, um, you know, multiple people have pointed out not only at the commissioner's meeting, and I talked with Commissioner Rob Zappel, um, 
But basically, this ordinance gives the sheriff's office um, the power to enforce the laws that are already on the books, which is what I don't necessarily understand because there are these ordinances. There are laws against drug dealing, against assaults. Um, but this uh, to break down what the ordinance does in so it hasn't passed yet because it needed a unanimous approval. Otherwise, it has to go to a second reading. Jonathan Barfield, commissioner, uh, voted against the ordinance. He was the sole dissenting vote, but it did force it to go to a second reading here. Um, one of the things that this would do is prohibit sleeping on county property from the hours of 10 p to 7 a, um, which is overnight sleeping. Sheriff McMahon got up there and had some, you know, he requested county commissioners rethink that and make it 24 hours a day um, because he said, you know, a lot of these people are sleeping during the day and they're up at all hours of the night, which is, um, you know, a, a fair statement um, to make because that that is the case. If you go down there during the day, you will see people sleeping. Um, but again, these are human beings who um, your body needs sleep. And if you have nowhere to sleep, you're going to have to camp out. And it's an unfortunate reality of these things. There's not enough shelters, uh, shelter space. There's not, um, and then you also have the concerns that uh, some of these, you know, this population has about the no trust in the government and doesn't want to go into these shelters for a number of reasons. A lot of the times, um, homelessness goes hand in hand with mental health uh, concerns, mental health disorders. Um, so, you know, these are people, but again, there's, there's just nowhere else for them to go. Um, the concern that Commissioner Barfield had <clears throat> that makes sense to me, um, beaches, county property, um, parks, county property. If you're in Longleaf Park and you have a hammock posted up in the, between the two pine trees, um, and you're taking a nap, whatever, if you nap in the park, you nap in the park. Um, you know, people go out there, read a book, and you might fall asleep for a few hours. Um, that would suddenly become illegal, but the odds of enforcement on that, if you see a, um, let's just call it what it is, a middle-class white person taking a nap with a book on an expensive Eno hammock, um, is likely not going to get the same sort of treatment that uh, someone who is sleeping on the streets for survival or sleeping in the park because they have nowhere to call home. So that's one of the concerns with, um, you know, approving this sort of ordinance. Um, that was that was one of the main points that Commissioner Barfield made, uh, among a few others. Yeah, and it's worth noting that last year commissioners tried to do this um, in the early spring of last year. Mm -hmm. And initially uh, this a, a variation of this ordinance was put forward that had a $50 fine in it. Barfield was the strongest voice against that, saying, if I had $50, I wouldn't be homeless. Right. You know, I'd find someone else with $50 and we'd share a hotel room, a hotel room and get some food. Right. And ultimately, you know, the same thing happened that time. The, uh, the ordinance passed its first reading with Barfield dissenting. But then when it came back, commissioners had changed their minds mm -hmm. um, because of a lot of public outcry, and they shot down the ordinance. So that's still a thing that could happen. Um, the as far as the concern about uh, maybe what we might call discretionary enforcement of these laws, that's absolutely a thing. Mm -hmm. For example, in New York City, it's illegal to take up more than one uh, subway seat by sleeping. Right. And that does not get enforced equally, I can tell you. Right. So 
I think that's a legitimate concern. The other issue here is that, as some people put it, and this is a little bit of an inhuman metaphor, but it's like pushing water around the floor with a, <laughs> with a drenched mop, right? I was literally going to use that, uh, use that example because uh, I will say you and I, when we were at Port City Daily, we had an interview with uh, ben David, it was about drug use. And Ben David, our, our district attorney, has a lot of little idioms and sayings that, um, you know, for better or worse, they, they are what they are. And Like Mal's uh, little book of sayings, but yeah, Ben David's little book of sayings. Yeah, exactly. But this is one that has really stuck with me for the past five years uh, when we're talking about, we were talking about drug use in the, in the city of Wilmington and then pushing drug dealers out of town, but they're moving into, you know, the Hampstead area or Ogden and in that area, um, and he called that pushing water, and that's uh, essentially the the main concern. And at the end of the day, I don't think New Hanover County or the city of Wilmington, and it's unfortunate because there are good intentions here, um, but if someone had the solution to homelessness, there wouldn't be homelessness. Um, so, you know, what what's going on here? And you know, let's talk a little bit about how the the unsheltered population got up to the Third Street area. Um, as you and I know, the Riverwalk, um, which is Wilmington's number one attraction, um, down by the visitor center, the was with the with the roofs and picnic tables and things like that. Um, that was a very popular location that you know those without a place to go would take up residence. Yeah, uh, Randy Evans used to do, uh, I believe, almost daily meals yeah. for the unsheltered there. And um, there was a lot of criticism of the city's decision to renovate that very slowly Yeah, um, because it would displace those people. I think the other thing we should talk about is that, so this is a county ordinance and it only works on county grounds. So as soon as they step off of that county property, um, it no, this doesn't empower the Wilmington Police Department to do anything new. And... You know, during a recent meeting of the Joint Opioid uh, Committee, and that's um, you know, city council and uh, New Hanover County commissioners talking about how to spend their cut of the opioid settlement that Josh Dine negotiated. Right. Uh, city councilman Luke Waddell brought up um, the library, yes, but also the uh, Meadowlark Lemon Bridge mm-hmm. on North Third. That's the the bridge that's right over, um, right by CFCC. CFCC. Yep. I've been under that bridge, and it's there's almost like little nested areas because um, each concrete pillar comes down and separates these little sections. Right, and it, they're almost like uh, little makeshift apartments. Right, for homeless people who have stored their belongings there and are live are living there. Mm-hmm. So that's state property. Right, because uh, that is a state road that comes in. Hmm. And so um, I've seen emails in the city terminal where they're saying like uh, people have been emailing Michael Lee because um, he's uh, well connected with the transportation committee mm-hmm. at the at the state level, saying like, hey, we need the state to come in and do something. Right. But the point is that this county ordinance is, is certainly not going to fix all of the problems downtown. And to your point, um, you know, there was an existing homeless population. Um, they they have relocated to the library. They will clearly mm-hmm. relocate somewhere else. This is an issue in part because people care about homelessness, but also mm-hmm. because this is a very conspicuous downtown area. People right. coming to City Hall see this because you drive right past it. A lot of the complaints are not based on their concerns for the well-being of the homeless. They are aesthetic mm-hmm. complaints, like it looks right. expletive deleted terrible yeah. downtown. And the last thing I want to say is that this whole situation could be getting worse when the Salvation Army downtown closes. Yep. They're closing their downtown campus. They're going to reopen a new campus at some point along MLK. There's going to be a gap period. Mm-hmm. We are told by the city of Wilmington and um, 
more specifically uh, the Salvation Army, mm-hmm. that there is a plan to handle that transition. But what we hear from the community of nonprofits that handles homelessness, yep. there is some real concern that they are already unable to handle the number of homeless people downtown. Mm-hmm. And losing the capacity of the shelter at Salvation Army is going to make that worse. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just to reiterate the the fact that um, these are human beings, there is a um, I feel like there could be opportunities to uh, at a minimum prevent the, you know, the using the the stairwells as a restroom, for example, Um Having some more public restrooms in town would not hurt. Um, Tourism would be great. You know, I was out in uh, Carmel, California a couple months back. And, you know, that is a very, very rich, rich city. I believe Clint Eastwood was the mayor at one point. Yeah. I mean, it is it it is. I could barely afford to just walk through that town um, and look at the shops. But there were public restrooms pretty, pretty abundant. Um, I'm thinking about Wilmington, and there's one uh, in the Second Street parking deck in, near Market Street uh, by Slice of Life. Yes, yeah, the one that's between um, it's it's bordered by Front Street, Second Street, and Market Street. Yeah, so there's a public restroom there. Um, I suppose the library can serve as a public restroom, but the library closes, um, and those restrooms at the parking deck are a little far away from that, but regardless, they're there. Uh, it's a little bit nerve-wracking to try and walk through that uh, that little area where people are flying through the parking deck. Yeah, they um, take that turn like it's yeah, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, so trying to get to those restrooms, and I've seen that they're closed fairly frequently. Um, I don't know if they're just closed for cleaning or if they're just closing them in general, but if you want to address people using the stairwell as their bathroom, the solution, the obvious solution to me is, you know, spend some of this funding that you're using on other projects uh, to install a downtown bathroom that has, you know, some some options for people to go. Um, and again, a lot of private businesses aren't going to let you just walk in off the street, just go use the restroom. Uh, those two public restrooms there, I can't think of, and maybe I'm wrong, but I can't think of any other like public restrooms. I mean, even Mayfair has public restrooms that you, uh, you know, next to the, like the admin office, there's several throughout there. Um, it just seems to be something Wilmington's lacking that seems like uh, the Occam's razor solution here as, you know, the the simplest thing. Uh, let's put bathrooms in there. The problem is that there's no bathrooms and people are having, it's, it's biology, man. You got to, <laughs> you got to go when you got to go. And if there's nowhere for you to go, uh, you're, you're going to go where you have to. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll say about this is that, uh, and this is something that Commissioner Barfield brought up, is that the um, last year after, you know, the ordinance had failed, mm-hmm. the county and the city got together and started a new program. I believe it's called Going Home. Mm-hmm. Something, something to that degree. Something to that effect. My apologies if I'm not getting that right. Um, but it pairs New Hanover County social workers with Wilmington Police Department officers. Mm-hmm. And we've heard some good things and some bad things about this program. Um, I don't want to get into depth about that now. But I think Barfield's point was we really have just rolled this out. Yeah. And we haven't really had, you know, any kind of longitudinal data about is this working or not. And, you know, he was saying, like, we're already moving. You know, we're already trying to say, like, well, that didn't work. Let's let's do something else without really seeing if this program can work. And I think – that program at least has a chance of getting to the root cause, which, as you pointed out, is often mental health and substance mm-hmm. abuse often together. 
and many of these shelters in the Wilmington area won't let you uh, stay overnight mm-hmm. if you are using yeah. um, or, or are drinking. And in many cases, mental health uh, compounding a natural distrust of government, mm-hmm. usually the police, and yeah. you know sometimes prevents people from accepting help. Those are the real core issues. Right. And this ordinance doesn't get anywhere close to them. No, it, it really doesn't. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. I think I, I do think people have hearts um, regardless of where you stand on this. Uh, but it's something to keep in mind is homelessness is typically a terrible option for people who have no other options left. Yes, there are the, uh, the uh, cross punks who, you know, willingly there are people um, who, and that is a genre of people, I'm not just making up a term here, um, but there are people who willingly live um, that lifestyle and want to just be um, be on the streets and be kind of away from the man. Uh, but by and large, these people are not happy to be in the situations they're in. Um, you got to think of the fears that people have. Just sleeping on the streets comes with its own dangers. You have uh, drunk people leaving the bars that We've seen it often across the country. You know, uh, assaults are taking place on homeless people. Um, it's a it, it's a humanity issue. It's a mental health crisis. Um, it is a substance abuse crisis. There's a whole lot that goes into this. So just banning people and throwing away their stuff and having camp clean out, so to speak, isn't. Uh, it's a step, but it seems to be a step in putting lipstick on a pig and trying to clean up enough that you're not getting the emails and complaints that it's uh appears to be a quote blight on the city yeah all right so the only thing from the new Hanover county commissioners which uh i think we're going to put off till next week Mm -hmm. is this lease deal between the county and uh cfcc Mm -hmm. Uh, just to let you know we're still watching that yeah um it's the County's in an interesting position where they have moved forward with the lease agreement. They don't yet own the building. We're talking about the Bank of America. We're talking about the former Bank of America building here, which is uh, designed, the purchase is designed to basically help CFCC expand their nursing program. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a real need there. We, we no issue with that. Yep. Um, there's a lot of unanswered questions about how exactly that building is going to get retrofitted, um, some minor legal issues that have to be wrapped up before the city can actually close on it. Um, so we're not saying that this is like the Hindenburg here, right? But it's just that we're continuing to watch that. Yeah, exactly. All right, good time for a break. I think so. All right, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the big F. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Port City Politics. I'm WHQR News Director Ben Shockman, And I'm WECT investigative reporter Michael Pratz. And Pratz, you've been working on a story about fentanyl, which we've all heard plenty about, but this is a very specific type of fentanyl story. Yeah, and, um, you know, to it, it's something that has been seen across the country. Uh, you actually pointed it out about two weeks ago on Twitter, um, and this follows an instance of a New Hanover County Sheriff's deputy um, who was, uh, or a detective rather, uh, they were making a vice and narcotics bus. They pulled someone over on I-40. Um, I talked with the sheriff's office PIO, uh, Lieutenant Jerry Brewer, um, who, you know, really went into detail about what happened. Uh, they were, you know, tracking someone who they believed to be trans transporting, um, across, you know, county lines at a minimum, uh, 
fentanyl and other drugs. And when the detectives pulled this person over, they pulled over to the right and then they quickly went into the left into the grassy median. When detectives walked up, a someone in the car, I don't know if it was the passenger or the driver, had uh, thrown out a bag of white powder um, believed to be fentanyl and it went into the detective's face. I believe it was actually uh, two detectives and a deputy. Gotcha. Okay. So three three deputies, three employees with the sheriff's department, um, sheriff's office rather, and this detective was hit in the face with a bag and it uh, apparently went all over him, Tony Montana style, uh, face full of powder here. Right. And this could have been a sight gag from an 80s Chevy Chase movie, except that Unlike, you know, cocaine or even heroin, yeah. fentanyl is orders of magnitude stronger. And pure fentanyl is, you know, 100 times stronger than morphine. Yeah. I mean, it's it's serious stuff here. Um, and that detective, according to the report, we haven't seen the body camera video. Um, but, you know, at this point, I'm not going to um, – I won't say that that's not what happened. And if someone is hit in the face with a bag of fentanyl and it goes all over them um, – you know, apparently this uh, this deputy uh, hit the deck, uh, passed out, pretty much went unconscious immediately after being hit in the face with this. And that's where this story kind of starts off, because we've seen this across the country. Now, to be clear, there is nothing here to um, we're not trying to diminish the dangers of fentanyl. It is seriously potent stuff, as you were just saying. And it can kill, and we've seen overdoses way on the rise. Um, but there's been some misinformation put out, and it started back in 2016. I don't want to go too in-depth because next week I will have an investigative piece on this. Um, but a little bit of a preview here. We, we've seen the CDC and the DEA, I believe, in 2016, 2017, that era, um, they were putting out, uh, it was almost like reefer madness style, uh, you had law enforcement officers, and we saw it even up until like December of last year. Sheriff's offices, police, police people saying that, you know, just exposure to fentanyl is making officers and law enforcement overdose rapidly on site just by being in the same room or getting it on the skin. That is not how fentanyl works. Now, to be clear, the, the sheriff's deputy that we started this story about if you get hit in the face with a bag of powder and it's, you know, going into your mucous membranes, it's going in your your airways, in your nose, in your mouth, it's my understanding that, yes, that can absolutely cause you to ingest fentanyl. And oh, yeah. that is very, very deadly. Yeah. I mean, there's um, so the detective in this case who was taken to the hospital, um, we believe that they you know, they are believed to have inhaled um significant uh, enough quantities but the thing is because fentanyl is so strong right you don't have to inhale that much so if your right. whole chest is covered this is plausible i want to i just want to be clear yeah um th the issues i have are that there is one or there's this misnomer that you know the only way to get heroin into your body is injecting it mm -hmm. and we owe that to movies you can snort it yeah absolutely you know, the, uh, you can the, freebase it there's all kinds of stuff you can do i don't want to give a how-to guide here but no. there are there are other ways than just injection yeah um but you know i guess our concern is more about this general trend of um very dramatic usually uh no offense to ect but local cable news and local you know uh network news 
kind of overdramatic stories. Uh, there's a New York Times article that really you know mm-hmm. breaks all of these down and suggests that at least in some cases these people might be having uh, psychosomatic reactions. Yeah, panic attacks. Panic attacks because you know, and and this is to give these those officers some credit. They're not saying they're malingering, mm-hmm. but they're just repeatedly exposed to these messages about how dangerous fentanyl mm-hmm. is, right? It's like if every time someone told you about bees, they're like, a single bee sting will kill you. Did you see my girl? Like, right. A, you know, and then a bee lands on you and you, you lose your mind. Yeah. So we're not saying that's what happened in this case, but it's an, it's a trend that I think hasn't been aggressively enough looked at. Right. And so one of the things we want to do is look at the body cam footage from this incident. Yes. And I, I want to be clear here that this is not a witch hunt. Um, but if what the sheriff's office said happened happened, this will be, you know, an important counterpoint, right? right. Because the New York Times has come out and said basically these are all fake. Right. And I don't think that's true. I think some of them are probably real, but it has to be just the right circumstance. Yes. And this sounds like it was just the right circumstance. So in this case, the video would show that. Mm-hmm. But if it's not true, if it is part of, you know, this what seems to be a trend of law enforcement agencies misrepresenting what happened as the you know dangers of fentanyl when it's really the paranoia about fentanyl. Right. Then the body cam footage might also help us show that. And hopefully a judge would agree with us that there is no there's more than a purient interest here. And it is not simply a gotcha on the sheriff's office. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's really speaking to the scientific aspect of this. And so, as I was mentioning with the DEA and the CDC, I want to play a quick little clip and I can link to the entire video below. Um, But take a listen to what the uh, what the DEA was saying about exposure to fentanyl. And again, this is just a quick clip. You can be in grave danger if you unintentionally come into contact with fentanyl. It can be absorbed into the bloodstream through your skin, through mucous membranes, or by touching your mouth, nose, or eyes after exposure, or even by accidentally breathing tiny amounts of airborne powder. Okay, so as you can see, that was was DEA putting out a a statement. The Department of Justice actually has it. Um, The video, like I said, will be down here. It's called Roll Call, um, and that is the DEA back in 2016, I believe, um, saying that you can be law enforcement officers in in particular are at a certain risk of exposure. They say, you know, uh, like you heard that it can be through the skin. It can be, um, you know, breathed in. And to be fair, yes, fentanyl can be absorbed through the skin transdermally. There are transdermal patches of fentanyl. Fentanyl is a medication. It is a synthetic opioid. Um, it can be absorbed through the skin, but it does not take 30 seconds. It doesn't take two grains of fentanyl uh, um, on your skin. There's actually a really interesting study that uh, someone unknowingly uh, participated in this experiment. He was, uh, I I think he was a researcher or something to that degree. He spilled liquid form fentanyl all over his hand. And he was like, oh, crap. But also, this is a great time for an experiment. He washed it off. He used soap and water, and he had no adverse side effects. If if it was able to be absorbed through the skin that quickly and that dramatically, um, he would have been dead, and that's not what happened here. Yeah. Um, one thing, you know, when you inhale or absorb, uh, 
you know, an opioid transdermally, it does act slower. But again, because fentanyl is so powerful, mm -hmm. if this was the way it's being represented by some law enforcement agencies, yeah, yeah. that effect would have been immediate. So here's here's what we're going to look at. Um, and if anyone wants to try and scoop us, you're welcome to. But <laughs> funny feeling no one's like clamping at the bit to have as much patience. Yeah. So in North Carolina, as we've discussed in the podcast on the podcast in the past, um, in order to get body cam footage, you have to petition a superior court judge mm -hmm. um, who can then decide whether or not he actually weighs a, a list of statutory factors and then decides whether or not to release that body sure. cam footage. So this is I, just to be clear, this is not the New Hanover County Sheriff's Office refusing to release anything. No. Um, however, it is almost, to my knowledge, um, rarely done while there's an active investigation. Right. And these, uh, at least one of the people involved, I believe both people involved in this, um, th the initial like pullover that mm -hmm. happened here, um, are, are being charged. And so it's, it's very plausible that they would say, well, the investigation is still ongoing. And they're being charged with assault of a government official with a deadly weapon. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's the actual charge. Um, assault with a deadly weapon on a government official is the, is the charge. Yeah, um, which is a much more serious charge than like throwing a bag of Dope sand out the window. Yeah, yeah, or like yeah, yeah, trying to dispose of evidence. So we're gonna follow that case, um, if nothing else, because once it's disposed, then a judge would be much more amenable to a request to release that body cam footage. Yeah, and there's the possibility that it gets released in discovery as evidence. So we might be able to take a look at that. Uh, even if a judge says no, um, as far as weaponized uh, fentanyl, I do want to say there is at least the argument that that is, you know, possible because it has been used as a chemical weapon. You can aerosolize it, uh, pump it through. I believe it happened in Russia, I want to say. Um, that, that feels right. <laughs> a lot of people were killed after it was pumped through. And I know we've seen this on uh, television, cheesy, cheesy uh, action shows where they pump in, you know, an opioid and everybody goes to sleep in the museum while they steal the steal the diamond. Actually, yeah, this was um, uh, Russian. I believe it was Russian armed forces or Russian uh, special forces uh, used an aerosol opiate against Chechens who had taken over the Moscow opera. OK, I believe that was. the Yeah, case. yeah, yeah. That sounds that sounds right. Um, so. Anyways, that's uh, there is a uh, an argument that could be made. You know, if you throw uh, a bag of anthrax at someone, that is clearly that's a biological weapon. So that argument, this would be a chemical weapon, I guess, because it's synthetic. Um, but that argument, I, I at least see where the merit is. Whether or not I agree with that is a assault with a deadly weapon. If it really happened the way it did, and this officer, uh, this deputy, sorry, went down the way he did, and potentially could have died, um, then, you know, I, I see the merit to it. So again, not questioning, well, questioning, not challenging the veracity of this deputy's, um, you know, incident report here, how it went down. We would like to know more about it and see, because as you mentioned, this could be a great counterpoint to, um, if you can look on YouTube, there's some videos, San Diego Police Department had one, um, where an officer was at the back of an SUV, he was testing fentanyl, his superior officer, his supervisory officer, uh, says, he, this guy says, oh yeah, it tested positive for fentanyl, his officer, uh, officer in charge says, oh man, that's powerful stuff, be careful, um, and like a minute later, uh, he's standing outside, the trunk of the, it looks like a Explorer or something, is wide open, they're testing in the back 
of this trunk, uh, so pretty open air. And a minute later, this officer again hits the deck. Um, but we're not seeing a instance of being, you know, exposed with the bag to the face. And yeah. I don't want to laugh at that. I just want to I'm laughing because of the dramatic uh, differences between what happened here and what happened there. Um, you know, it's believed that the wind blew in like a grain of fentanyl and you OD'd because it was in the air. That's not uh, that's not how it happens. And the final part I want to say about this is uh, why there's concern, not only because you know, it could be disingenuous and science is saying this isn't how these things work. But when you have someone overdosing on fentanyl or you know someone's in a house that OD'd or you're a family member of someone and you might have Narcan, you might be hesitant to go and try and revive that person because you've heard these horror stories that if you walk up to somebody uh, and there's fentanyl on them or it was in their pocket, you are at risk and you don't want to die. So these people... Uh, theoretically, and I'm sure it has happened, have died because people are hesitant to give that response. So that's kind of bringing this full circle as to why we want to look at this. It's not to play gotcha with police. It's to clear up the misconception because knowledge and understanding of how this work can save lives. Yeah, sounds like a good place to end it. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, we will see you next week. All right. See you then.